We're going to continue now with our worship by opening up the Word of God. And today we're actually going to be opening up the book of Acts, chapter 15, verses 36 to 41 in just a moment. And we're going to be looking at what it means to practice grace through times of conflict and times of disagreement, especially with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And next week, we're going to be finishing up our series on the book of Daniel in chapter 6. So we've been anticipating that for some time. So I want to encourage everyone to continue to do that. Uh, finish reading Daniel chapter 6, and we'll be concluding it next week as well. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 41. And it actually outlines one of the most... Uh, famous uh, disagreements that we ever see in the scriptures and it's actually the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas two partners in the gospel who were both people of God men of God leaders called by God but yet they viewed an issue in a different light and here we're going to read a little bit about this specific passage in the book of Acts in chapter 15 in through 36 to 41 and we're going to see how God teaches us grace through conflict and disagreement so let's open up our hearts and open up our ears and our eyes as we read from the Word of God I'll be reading in English but you can go ahead and read in Spanish or in your heart language right at home where you are Acts chapter 15 beginning at verse 36 sometime later Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in, in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. Commanded by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. O oh God, out of the depth of eternity, you moved into our time and into our history, into our story. You came in, Lord, through the life and work of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In him was light and the life was our light, God. And we just pray that even now we would continue to pursue you, God, the light of the world. Because your light shines in the darkness your light shines in the darkest places of the human condition. Your light shines even in areas that seem so hopeless, God. Your light shines in the midst of brokenness. Your light shines in the midst of chaos. And your light shines in the midst of conflict and disagreement. Lord, would you cause your light to shine even brighter today? through your precious word this morning. Would you speak to us clearly 
and directly. Help us to hear a word from you today, we pray. Make us new, O Lord. Make us more like you. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we pray. Amen. I have to say that the most practical course that I've ever taken in my life, like in a classroom, was when I was in seminary, when I was training to be a pastor. And it was actually, this course was entitled, Leading Through Conflict and Disagreement. It's something that I've been able to apply many times in my life and many times as a pastor. The lessons that I learned from this extremely practical course, as you can imagine, leading through conflict and disagreement. As a pastor, I remember one of the first times I had to apply some of the lessons uh, that I learned in that course. When I was younger and when I was uh, leading uh, this church, I had a pastor friend of mine actually call me and say that he really needed my help, that things somehow were completely out of control and just a bit chaotic at the church that he was leading. And we'll call this friend Pastor David. And uh, Pastor David, he just called me and said, you know what, Carlos, can you come and talk to my leaders about conflict and how to shepherd and how to disagree well without, without drawing blood or without attacking one another verbally or emotionally. And he asked me to come and talk to his leadership team about that, about conflict and how to shepherd and walk through times of disagreement together. And when I got there, I was really able to see that, um, that he was really in a desperate place. He was really in a very challenging place because the leaders there in that church community, they seemed to be divided around what they felt would be the best future for their church community. And my friend, Pastor David, he just begged and he just said, you know what, please just do it as a friend, as a favor for me. Please come and just share something. I responded and said, all right, sure, I'll give it a shot. And to be honest, I'm not exactly sure why he asked me, of all people, to do it, to come and speak to this group of people. It was several years ago. I was younger in my ministry. I think I had just, you know, was in my early 30s. And I got into the room, and it was very evident that the room was divided. It was actually split. It was clear to see who was on one side and who was on the other side. Because what I saw was here, different people, according to the side that they were on, they were actually circling together and huddling together on these two different sides. And I looked at that divided room, and I opened up my talk by simply saying, let's be clear about something. Right now, nobody has to be here. But we are all here only by the grace of God. We're only here by the grace of God, and we get to be here together. As a community, as leaders called to serve a community, we get to lead and shepherd people in the difficult and in the joyful times in their lives. We walk together in the joys and in the pains of people's lives. We walk together through times of conflict. 
And as I went on and shared with this team of individuals, I, I really just shared a little bit about what I'm going to share with us here today. And this morning, I'd like to talk to us and remind us all that we are a witnessing community. Our actions, our lives, our, our reasons, our responsibilities, the way we live that out, that all serves as a, a witness to the kingdom of God and a witness to the image of, that people have of who Jesus is. So our lives, our decisions, our process, all of that matters because it contributes to that witness. As God's people, we are local missionaries. Our call is not just to every week go to a building, but our call is to actually be the body of Christ. I'm so grateful for this church. Over the past few months, we have been doing that together. And we're going to continue to do that together as we pray and discern God's next steps for that. As God's people, as his living body, his spiritual body here on earth today, blessed to be a blessing, serving the valley, we've really been practicing what it means to carry on the mission of Jesus, to live as local missionaries, to engage in everyday mission. Just like we talked about last week, we realize that mission begins here and now. God calls us to be eternally minded. And there is everyday mission for those that are eternally minded. This is a time to draw nearer to God. Not to hit pause, not to run away, not to get overly comfortable, but to draw nearer to God and to make the most of every moment and every opportunity, this is not wasted time. We are local missionaries called to be eternally minded. And by the grace of God, we're able to seek and serve God wherever it is that we find ourselves. We're able to go deep and wide, whether we're at home, whether we're connecting online, whether we're working remotely, whether we're teaching kids at home, whether we're going through the ins and outs of the family life and routine, in the ordinary, God meets us there and he does extraordinary things. So as God's people, we're able to experience God here and now. We're able to seek and serve God right where we are. We realize and understand that mission doesn't only mean going to a certain place or going to a certain building, but mission means that we can go across the room and be a blessing. Mission means, yes, for some, going across the ocean, but mission also means going across the street, going across whatever space, whatever divide, may be holding us back. We can be a blessing wherever it is that we find ourselves. Last week we talked about the timing of God. This week we're going to be talking about how God calls us to deal with conflict and disagreement. In the passage that was just read, we see how Paul and Barnabas, they had a disagreement 
The passage even tells us that they had a sharp disagreement. So it was one of those disagreements and conflicts that really stung, that really maybe even created a scar. That means that it was piercing and that it hurt both of them. It was a sharp disagreement. But yet somehow, God was able to use it all for the good. God was able to use the conflict, use the disagreement, and leverage it all for the good. The passage even tells us right at the end that the Apostle Paul went on, after that disagreement, he went on strengthening the churches. What seemed like weakness, what seemed like setback, ended up being used to strengthen the churches. As God's people, we walk through conflict. We walk through it. We experience challenges and we go through challenges. We don't run away from conflict or from challenges. At the same time, we don't just run toward them. We're not drama kings or drama queens that want to just stir up a bunch of stuff. But when we encounter conflict and disagreement, by the grace of God, we walk through it. Not run away from it. Not go around it, but we go through it together. God guides us in conflict and God guides us in disagreement. We just read a passage here that talks about a sharp disagreement from two people that loved the Lord, from two people that cared for the mission of God as well, yet they disagreed on this matter. This year, we've continued to really experience God carry us through all kinds of unique (laughs) challenges and seasons that are just so many to name even here and now. But God is using all of that to continue to take us deeper. To continue to widen and show us more of who he is. He's taking us deep and wide. We talked about last week how to handle times of uncertainty, times of waiting, times of unfamiliarity. And how waiting does not have the power to break us, but waiting will reveal us. This week, we are talking about walking through conflict and disagreement. Walking through. Not running away, not going around, but going through hard things and hard conversations together with Christ at the center. Some of us may be thinking, well, Pastor Carlos, you know what? I'm just going to pause or switch off or turn off the stream right now or whatever it is because... The truth is, I don't want to be part of church if you're just going to be talking about waiting and the difficulties in that or in the unknown or if you're going to be talking about conflict. We just want to feel good. Well, my two responses to that would be, first, A, as your pastor, as your spiritual leader that God has entrusted me with a call to (laughs) care for you, to teach you, I, as well as the leaders of this church, I want you to know that my goal in ministering is not just that you or I or anyone would just feel good. That's not the end goal of our discipleship. That's not the end goal of our journey with Jesus and in our life together as a community. The end goal 
is not just feeling good. The end goal is I want you to grow. I want you to mature in Christ. I want you to flourish in your life to be the person that God created you to be. That's so much more than just feeling good. Christ invites us into an abundant life. Christ invites us into a complete life, a complete life that is full of joy, full of pain, full of sunshine and rain. That actually reminds me of a song from the 80s. For any of you that know that, any 80s kids, that's, I think, Rob Bass from the 80s. Well, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go ahead and look it up. Now I have it in my head. But Jesus invites us into a complete and abundant life. A whole life. A whole life that doesn't just consist in quick fixes or in a magic pill or in just quick escapism. But as we follow Jesus, we carry our crosses. And Jesus Christ leads us into new life when we spiritually grow, when we mature, and when we flourish together as a community by going deep and going wide. So that's the first reason that we talk through so about such topics together as a church community. And secondly, the first reason is that, so that we would grow and mature and reflect more of who Christ is. Then the second reason is really because the Bible goes there. The Bible is the written word of God that we gather around every single week. And the Bible goes there. The Bible is not afraid to talk about hard topics. The Bible is God's book about Jesus. It is the story of God and people. And it talks about many, if not all, every single emotion and aspect of life that we can think of or imagine it's a story of God and people, and part of life's journey is experiencing conflict and disagreement. And we see this over and over in the scriptures. The scriptures aren't afraid to go there, so we shouldn't either. The Bible addresses conflict and disagreement and tension and God's response to that. Part of this abundant life will include conflict and disagreement with people and with circumstances with situations and sometimes in this abundant life it's going to include conflict and disagreement even with people that we love or even with things that we love or ideas that we love as we go deeper and wider with Christ sometimes there will be moments of conflict conflict and engaging conflict and disagreement, it's going to require courage. That's, part, that's one of the reflections of being a follower of Jesus. It's courage. You know, if we just want to play it easy, play it nice, whatever it may be, downplay whatever it may be our whole lives, well then, that's another route. That doesn't require courage. That actually requires just passivity. Passivity leads to conflict avoidance. Then conflict avoidance can lead to slander and gossip. Passivity and passive aggressiveness can then even lead to toxic relationships, toxic organizations. That slander and gossip that keeps coming up. 
Yes, even the Christian kind, you know what I'm talking about. Just kind of taking someone aside. Hey, can you pray for so-and-so? And then here's all their dirty laundry, right? Now we have places and people to pray for specific things and safe people that can do that as well. But really, when we enter into engaging conflict with courage for the glory of God, that is what the book of James actually calls being a peacemaker. And we even see it in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, blessed are all the peacemakers. Now notice what is said is blessed are the peacemakers, not just the peacekeepers. A peacemaker is someone who follows Jesus through times of conflict. The peacekeeper just doesn't want to rock the boat or step on anything, even when it's important. The peacemaker is willing to go through conflict in order to reach and land in a place of everlasting peace. The peacekeeper is just interested in keeping a little peace here and now. God calls us to be peacemakers. And we see that the Bible is filled with stories of conflict. La Biblia habla de conflictos humanos. In fact, we see it over and over in the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation, Old Testament, New Testament. We see that Jesus' promise is true, that wherever two or three are gathered, there is Jesus, there is the Lord. But then we also see that another truth is actually just as true, and that is wherever two or three are gathered, there is conflict. There is disagreement. But I want you to hear this. The Bible addresses this over and over again because engaging in conflict and disagreement, that is not necessarily a bad thing. When we're confronted, when we have challenging and hard conversations, that's not necessarily a bad thing. When broken people come together around the grace of God, there will be occasions when we step on each other's toes. But God calls us to walk through conflict and to give each other grace. As we do that, as we give each other grace in walking through times of disagreement, that also has a power. When we choose grace rather than wrath or running away or judgment or quick fix or whatever it may be, when we choose grace and when we walk through conflict, that can lead to deeper connection. And that deeper connection can lead to experience hope through relationships. What we talk about over and over here at Imago. It's not just a catchphrase, it's a reality that God invites us into. Our call as Christians, as people of God, as followers of Jesus, our call is not to run away from conflict and disagreement, but our call is finding Jesus amidst the conflict. It's finding Jesus in the tension. It's finding Jesus in the challenge and pointing to him. In fact, the gospel, the good news of God, The gospel itself is God responding to conflict. The gospel is God facing up to and dealing with 
conflict and disagreement and challenge and an uncomfortable situation. Conflict and disagreement does not have to have winners and losers. Let's just be clear about that. Although the Bible does call us to really stand for certain essentials. Things that are just so aligned with the heart of God that they are non-negotiable. We see this in the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. It says this. Micah, chapter 6, verse 8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. These are some essentials that God calls us to walk aligned with. To seek justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. But apart from those essentials, we don't have to always convince ourselves that every single disagreement, every single conflict has to end in a winner or a loser. I think of the passage in Joshua chapter 5 where Joshua encountered the angel of the Lord. And Joshua actually confronted the angel of the Lord who was representing God. And he actually asked him, well, whose side are you on? Let's read it together in Joshua chapter 5, beginning at verse 13, it says this. It says, Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him. With a drawn sword in his hand, Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? The angel of the Lord replied, Neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked, What message does my Lord have for his servant? Wow. What if next time that we encountered conflict or disagreement or an uncomfortable situation, Instead of just like, you know, looking quickly at our phone or just acting like we didn't hear it or see it or engage with it. What if instead of that or instead of going through the trial in our heads, you know, when someone disagrees with us where we win the argument every single time. Maybe I'm the only one that does that. You know, when we go through the courtroom drama where we play judge, jury and executioner and we win the argument every single time. What if instead of doing that, we actually did what Joshua did and we fall face down to the ground in reverence and in that disagreement or in that discomfort, we just ask God what Joshua did here. We just ask the Lord, what message does my Lord have for his servant? What is God trying to teach us? in times of tension, in times of discomfort, in times of disagreement. What did the angel of the Lord say? We see that it continues here in verse 15, in this passage beginning at verse 15. It says, The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, 
for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And Joshua did so. Wait, what? Hold on a minute. Let's get this straight. Joshua is going through some serious battles, some serious conflicts, some serious struggles. He's experiencing constant conflict, constant struggle, constant opposition and disagreement. And then the angel of the Lord is saying, take off your shoes for the place where you are standing is holy. Amazing. God is using the conflict and the disagreement and the discomfort. He's using it all for the sake of holiness. What if next time, instead of attacking or accusing or ignoring or downplaying or dramatizing or getting into that courtroom issue like I'm talking about, may we, like Joshua, fall down in reverence knowing that this place of tension this place of conflict this place of discomfort this place of disagreement this is holy ground this is god at work doing something in us and through us amidst the conflict amidst the confusion amidst the challenge What if that's holy ground? What if that's where God is making us more into the people that he created to be? What if that's what God uses to take us deeper and to stretch us wider? Now back to Acts chapter 15, which we read. There's this conflict between Paul and Barnabas. My question is, well, who was right? When I naturally read that passage, I want to know, okay, well, who won the argument there? Who was right? Who is team Paul and who is team Barnabas? I wonder how the angel of the Lord would respond, the one that spoke to Joshua. If we asked him, well, who was right? Perhaps the angel of the Lord would respond the same and say, neither. Later on in his letters, The Apostle Paul comes to realize that there was actually wrongness in his own rightness. And there there was rightness to Barnabas' wrongness. Now imagine that. There can be wrongness to my rightness and rightness to someone else's wrongness. Barnabas was able to see something in John Mark that Paul was unable to see. We all have blind spots, so we need other brothers and sisters in Christ, other people in the community that God has called us to, to help us see our blind spots. But even though Paul didn't fully understand the perspective of Barnabas, Paul had to let it go. Paul had to let it go, trusting that God would use it all for a greater purpose My prayer is that we, as Paul did here, that we would let things go, especially if they are not fully in our understanding or if they're just part of our blind spots. God could use that tension in a way that we don't understand right now. Just because we don't understand something does not mean that God cannot use it for the good, that God cannot use it for something greater. 
God used that tension between Paul and Barnabas in a way that Paul couldn't immediately understand. And you know what? I am so grateful that the Apostle Paul was able to let go. To let go even though he didn't understand. Paul let go and he trusted that God would work through this. That Jesus could be found in the tension and in the conflict. And in fact, God did work through it. Barnabas, who was Paul's partner in the gospel, he wasn't just Paul's sidekick, but he was Paul's direct partner in the gospel. Barnabas was able to see something that Paul himself could not see. And yes, we know who Paul is. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Barnabas, we actually don't hear too much about after this passage. But we do see the fruit of the wisdom of Barnabas. This young, young man, this young boy that Barnabas mentored and discipled was then introduced to another person, this young person by the name of, of John Mark, who Barnabas uh, was the one Barnabas discipled. Barnabas then introduced him to someone else. Barnabas introduced him to another disciple by the name of Peter. Yes, the Apostle Peter, the one who was discipled directly by Jesus. And then Peter took this young man, John Mark, under his wings, and it was from that relationship that we have the Gospel of Mark, the earliest biography in the life of Jesus. Now let's just pause and think about that for a moment. Without Barnabas, without Barnabas actually going through the tension, the conflict, the discomfort that he had in his disagreement with Paul, without Barnabas, there is no gospel of Mark. And without the gospel of Mark, there is no gospel of Matthew, Luke, or John, because all three of these gospels came afterwards, and they were used, they actually used the gospel of Mark as their primary resource. That's why many biblical scholars call Mark the earliest gospel, and Matthew, Luke, and John are referred to as synoptic gospels. So to put this very simply for us, without Barnabas there wouldn't be the Gospels as we know them today. And without the Gospels, the written Gospels, there would be no account of the life of Jesus. Barnabas here represents the millions and millions of people of faith, men and women, who never reach celebrity status, but who quietly and faithfully seek the Lord. Those are the giants whose shoulders we continue to stand on today. The fame and the re recognition, it fades, it comes and goes, but quietly and faithfully serving the Lord has eternal fruit and consequences like we see with Barnabas here. We see that Paul didn't immediately understand everything at the time that he had this disagreement and this uncomfortable conversation with Barnabas. And that's good news. Thanks be to God. You and I don't have to understand everything for God to be at work through it. We just have to trust that God is at work in a way that is so, so much bigger than just you or me or my understanding. God can work 
even in our blind spots. And by giving each other grace, we're going to see how he's able to bring it together and do something bigger than what we could think of or imagine. As God's people, we're called to shepherd conflict. We're called to self-leadership and self-control. When engaging in a conflict, I can't control another person. I can't control another situation or circumstance, but I can control myself. And I can walk alongside those that God has entrusted me to guide and to pray for. The highest calling that we have as disciples, as God's people, as local missionaries, our highest calling is to glorify and point to Jesus in everything. In the highs and in the lows. In the challenges and in the joys. Because we, as God's people, we point to a bigger story. And that's the truth. There is a bigger story. And there is a bigger vision of the kingdom of God. Yes, there have been so many overwhelming stories and situations this week. And we pray, we empathize, we work toward was seeking the justice, seeking mercy, and walking, walking humbly with our God. And, uh, and as we do that, we point to the bigger story. The bigger vision that reminds us that no matter how rejected we may feel, or how misunderstood, God sees us, God accepts us, God sees our hearts, God guides us and in fact the best we can do in those times when we're engaged in conflict and disagreement the best thing we can do with someone who has a blind spot who doesn't agree the best thing we can do is love them to speak the truth without passing any kind of self-righteous judgment and then after that after speaking the truth and love just entrust them to god and trust them into his hands. He will be at work. Even in areas that seem so much bigger than us and out of our control. He'll continue to be at work. Even in our blind spots. Now here's the truth that we see in this passage. And that anyone who's ever served God's kingdom is, it knows this is absolutely true. That if you want to participate in the kingdom of God, if you want to lead in the kingdom of God, if you want to follow Jesus without reservation, fearlessly, then we must walk through conflict. We must go through times of challenge and disagreement and tension. And in fact, the cross of Jesus is actually God dealing with conflict. It's actually God facing up to an uncomfortable situation. That's the power of the cross. The cross is the power of God on display, reminding us that He is able to work it all together for the good of those who love Him. He's able to do something Amazing. He can bring life out of death. He can do new things 
out of things that maybe we don't understand right now. As God's people, we must walk through challenges. We must walk through times of conflict. But my prayer is that we wouldn't let it overtake us. We must stay clear on the mission that God has for us. Conflict is a part of the mission, but conflict itself is not the mission and the end goal. We have to keep first things first and the main thing, the main thing. One, we, we really have to be able to just continue to seek the Lord while he may be found and see him at work in the challenge, in the disagreement, in the unknown. And really, this is how we see that Jesus continues to be at work even in our times of challenge, even in our times of tension and discomfort. And many may, m- perhaps many of us have felt that this week, whether it be the headlines, whether it be the challenges you're facing as you're navigating this unique season of pandemic, as we're thinking about what the future may or may not look like, maybe you're navigating that as well. But I'll finish with this. Among all of these things and everything that's been shared and the call to continue to to seek the Lord and to really trust Him as we navigate and go through times of challenge, conflict, and disagreement, there is good news. There is gospel. And that's this. In Jesus' timing, anything that is broken can be healed and it shall be healed all will be well may not feel it right now we may not see it right now but he's at work and he's taking us through the challenge the tension to take us somewhere new in God's timing all conflict will be resolved There will be restoration. There will be reconciliation. When dealing with people, with dealing with circumstances and situations so much bigger than just you or me, we come to understand that conflict is going to happen. Disagreement will happen. Challenge, uh, those times of tension, all of those things will happen. But the question for us is how do we lead ourselves and our hearts during that time. I love the words of Henry Nouwen, who is one of my favorite authors, and he actually wrote a book called Bread for the Journey. And he wrote a section in there called Spiritual Choices, and he says this. He says, choices make a difference. Imagine being in a car accident, or what we can say for the purpose of the sermon, imagine being in a conflict or a disagreement where two people are in the same conflict and are both emotionally wounded. They didn't choose to be in the conflict, but like a car accident, it happened to them. But one of them chose to live the experience in bitterness, the other in gratitude. These choices radically influenced their lives and the lives of their families and friends. 
we have very little control now and says we have very little control over what happens in our lives but we have a lot of control over how we remember and how we respond to what happens friends brothers sisters we are created in the image of god and our purpose is in the image of christ god is our model on how to respond to conflict and disagreement and as we read the scriptures what do we see how does god remember and respond to conflict and tension and disagreement he responds with the cross and because of the power of the cross through the cross and through his grace he says this in hebrews chapter 8 verse 12 we're reminded of this in hebrews 8 12 for I will be merciful toward their iniquities, toward their conflicts, their disagreements, their challenges. I will be merciful toward them, and I will remember their sins no more. All the ones that we're pointing out in others, all the ones that are being pointed out in us, God chooses mercy. It says, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Yes, though conflict and disagreement is a part of life, it's a part of following Jesus, the bigger promise, the bigger picture we see here is that God is merciful and God chooses to remember no more. Conflict is not eternal. It has an end. And it will end with that grace and that mercy. God is merciful and chooses to remember no more. As this old hymn says that I heard many years ago, the hymn that says, Yes, our sins, they are many, but His mercy is more. And thanks be to God, our conflict and our disagreements, they are many, but his mercy is more. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for your great faithfulness. It's a faithfulness unlike anything that we've ever seen or experienced, God. It's something just so new and different and distinct, Lord. We can't compare it. To anything else continue to breathe life into us God would you pour on us that living water send us Lord as your people you are the God of justice the God of mercy and Lord I pray that you would help us to live that out God give us courage to go keep us from just singing keep us from just talking move us into action, Lord, to be your hands and feet, Lord, that point to you, even in the most uncomfortable situation, that point to you in the time of tension and discomfort, Lord. We love you, Lord, and help us to serve our neighbors, God. Help us to build up, Lord, others that you've called us to serve. Help us to build up this church, God this body of believers, and make us new 
and help us to give each other grace, especially in times of conflict and disagreement. Lord, we pray for all of those that we just need to reconcile with, Lord, and we place them before you. We pray all this in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen.